Hi, I'm Paul Patrick, and when I was a kid, I went to probably a dozen Star Trek conventions. Uh, sometimes I lie and say it was my brother who was the real Star Trek fan, and I was just going for the comics. But uh, I was a, I was a pretty big Star Trek fan too. One time, I actually met uh, Scotty James Doohan in an elevator. Nobody knew who he was, but my dad was like, "Hey, that's that's Scotty right there," and so we shook his hand, and he was actually missing a piece of his finger. Hi, my name is Van Kelly, and I don't even know who that guy is you are talking about right there. Scotty? Scotty. Uh, uh, yeah, do not know him. Oh, wait. Star Trek? Scotty. Star Trek, yeah. Oh, what and was his real name? He used his real name. James Duhon. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Did not know his name was Joe. Uh, I already forget it. Jimmy Doohan. Jimmy Doohan. Uh, my name is uh, Van Kelly, and my grandfather was a World War II vet, prisoner of war, smoked a lot of cigarettes. And a paratrooper. What is up on this June 14th? And welcome to our show, Every Day I'm Different, a podcast celebrating the ironies of where our personalities take us. Each episode, me, Van Kelly, and my co-host, Paul Pattison. We'll give you an insight into our lives through personal stories and anecdotes on a variety of topics. And for today's first topic, I'm going to let Paul go first. Paul, okay. is that all right? That's fine. That's fine. Hit me. So, I have no idea what you're going to talk about. So you may be aware that Anthony Bourdain died last week, if you even know who he is in the first place. I threw a party. When he died. You yes. Were, you were thrilled when he died? I am anti-Bourdain. People that are sucking, fascinating. sucking his cock, man. Mm. I don't know. See, that's weird because Bourdain was kind of the anti-everything. He was like the punk rock chef or whatever. Well, Anti-establishment. Good. Then he would like me. Yeah. I'm anti-Bourdain. He'd probably <laughs> respect that more than he, he tools. He might. He might. Yeah. Um, and then I went to dinner on at Sunday night um, at a food hall that is being run by, do you know who Mike Isabella is? No, I, he sounds Italian. He's a, one of those sh- uh, top chef stars okay. at TV show. And uh, around a certain city, he has a lot of restaurants. Okay. Um, and in fact, he was uh, caught up in the Me Too movement a little bit. He had somebody accuse him of harassment. Uh, but instead of stepping down from his position, and he, he vehemently denied everything, but then settled out of court and is kind of regrouping, but still is part of it. But he opened this big food hall uh-huh. uh, in uh, Tyson's Galleria, if you know where that is. Don't. Um, and he offers like all these different kinds of – it's like a super fancy food court basically. Oh, yeah. So, when I think of fancy food, I yeah. think food court, baby. I mean food halls are all the rage these days. Are hipsters. they? Oh, yeah. People love a food hall. Uh, food halls oh. and food truck fairs I think are – the t- and, and I know it's like they're all the rage. They've been I, around for a couple of years yeah, I've noticed the food truck thing. Yeah. Um, I still have – to this day, I don't think I've ever eaten at a food truck. Oh man, food truck food can be fantastic. I'm it can sure. also be extremely average or terrible, like yeah. any place. But I guess their argument is they don't have to spend as much money on the rent, uh, the brick and mortar restaurants, right. all that, all that hassle, so they can focus more on the food and the quality. And okay, it's true for a lot of them. But you got to really like the outdoors. I got to tell you, I imagine so. And that's yeah. for another episode. But no, keep me indoors, man. I don't want to. Ah, food, bees on you, flies on you, ants there at the are picnic. Wasps out there, there are tons of yeah. wasps everywhere, yeah. I'm sure. 
But this just all got me to thinking about dining and food and how in America we deal with food. Uh, another issue, This my entire hey. week's been all about food. Did you hear about the IHOP changing its name to IHOB? Is that how they're actually pronouncing it? I guess, but it's all a it's all a marketing gimmick. They didn't really change their name. Everybody's losing their mind about how could IHOP do this? Uh, did you hear what what the end result was? No, I did not. They announced they were changing their name and they wouldn't tell you what the B stood for yet. Oh, burgers! And then they said it was burgers. Okay. I was like, how dare you do this? It's it was a dumb promotion. Yeah. Like any other restaurant have been like, come in and try our. Uh, so now, Paul, I was going to ask you this before. It yeah. seems you're going in a marketing direction. What did you mean when you said how we do food here in America? Our relationship with food and with dining. And it's really too much. To, I need to talk about just one of them at this point. Um, like we could talk about fine dining. We could talk about food trucks. We could mm-hmm. talk about food halls. Okay. It's a kind of an all massive thing that I, I don't have a lot of solid thoughts on, but it's been gnawing at me all week because all these different, you know, um, all these different events, Bourdain's death, eating at this food hall, the IHOP thing. Food has just been on my mind this okay. week. So. Well, I am a certified weirdo when it comes to food. Yeah. I, I have no problem admitting that. I prefer to eat 99% of my meals alone, like a hermit, yeah. with nobody else around. Uh-huh, that's, they say I, that's the healthiest way to eat, really. I, fo- I mean, I'm not, you know, like a, a cheerleader on an after-school special, binging and purging, uh-huh. but I don't know, man. I just, there's something nasty. I hate mouth sounds, people eating. I hate watching people eat in public. I'm sure I don't look great eating. I don't want to subject people to that. So I, I, I'm not a... I am definitely not a connoisseur on eating. Well, so or I might almost say we should talk about fine dining because that goes into what I talked about with the food hall. Okay. So no. I wonder how many real, true fine dining experiences I've ever had. And I might be able to count them on one hand. Me too. And we're talking like you spend like a couple hundred bucks on a meal. Right. On yes. one meal. Yeah. And I actually did have one just this past spring. Mm-hmm. And I'll talk about it. And then we can talk about what's the deal? What's the point? Why do we do this? Is it really good? Um, I was at a restaurant that all they do are tasting menus, if you're familiar with those. Uh, it's like tapas, little tiny things. Basically, you get, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like a 10-course meal or whatever. Right. And this restaurant always does themed meals. Now, do we think this is perpetuated by the Instagram culture? One meal. Oh, man. Ten Instagrams, ten different things to post. Have you heard about the steakhouse? I, I think it's in Jersey. On to you, is people. Now, they're setting up Instagram tables oh. at the restaurant that'll have special lamps so you oh. get the right lighting. Like, like oh. I used to go lamps. to Country Cook and Buffet, and they used to call that the <laughs> dessert cart. You didn't touch them. You just came by. So now we're doing the same thing, but for fucking hipsters to put yeah. pictures online. That is a true story. God damn. So this restaurant, they do theme meals. Okay. And the month I was there, their theme was the films of Wes Anderson. So each... Chorus was inspired by one of his films or just inspired by his, quote, aesthetic. And I'm a big Wes Anderson fan, and so I was super looking forward to this meal. And the meal was a fantastic experience. But when I go back and if I were to read you the the menu, if I were to show you pictures of some of the food, 
I couldn't tell you that that food was the best food I've ever had, and I dropped several hundred dollars on this. Now, it was like a nine-course tasting meal, and we did get some amazing drinks that we weren't even supposed to get with each of the meals, um, and it was it was fantastic. I loved it. I would do it again in a heartbeat, but the food itself, is that something that I'd walk into that restaurant if I couldn't order it again or even ask somebody else, hey, do you know how to prepare this? And for several of those courses, not all of them, but several, the answers are resounding, no. There was one course uh, that was uh, inspired by the Life Aquatic, mm. and it was basically a variety of fish and vegetables in some sort of fish uh, jello, basically. Oh. It was It was not... Bright, bright green. No, I'm no, sure. it was clear. Oh, it was okay. clear. Jello is not the right term for it, so right. you can see how much fine dining experience I perhaps have. Now, a couple of those courses were delicious, and the experience... You don't think they busted itself. open the J-E-L-L-O box for that? No, I think that they were doing uh, real... Uh, well, it might have had gelatin in it. Uh, right. But, uh, yeah. So, what, what's your first reaction when you hear me say, that was a fantastic meal, but... I say the food itself, oh man, a couple of those courses, they were a little dodgy. So to me, my first reaction is, and you actually use the word, Yeah. you were yearning or you're paid for the experience. And yes. the experience for that particular thing, what I'm most curious about is I know a little bit about your taste in movies and I know we both share an affinity towards Wes Anderson films yeah. and those type of films. So now, would you do this? For an experience you were insipid about or you did not care for or even hated. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Like, like uh, I'm trying to think of something I know you're radically against. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like, if there was a uh, conservative caucus-themed meal, you no, know? I think I will return to uh, fine dining experiences okay. like that. No matter, I mean, it doesn't have to have a theme. Right. It can just be uh, most amazing restaurant in the world and I'll sit down for a tasting menu and give it a try and perhaps not every dish or course is going to blow my skirt up, mm -hmm. but the experience itself Okay. Is a, so it's almost more a weird artistic experience. Of it is because let me let me throw a hypothetical out there at you. Mm -hmm. Let's say your blue rock box per, uh, 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 subscription has ran out. Is it called that? I don't know. I mean, blue, blue apron, apron yeah. subscription has ran out. You can't make it to the store. You remember one of these things. Like let's say even the tastiest thing you like from this uh, Wes Anderson. Uh, themed dinner, right? Yeah. Whether it be like uh, racetrack hot dogs from <laughs> from uh, 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 what's the first one, Rushmore, uh, whatever it was. Would you ever make one of these things at home? What's the long term goal here? Are you like, or is it just an experience the way going to the Louvre would be? You wouldn't go home and try to recreate absolutely a the latter. I, I'd say there was a drink or two. So that this is real we thinking about recreating, body experience. Yeah, absolutely. And Ugh. is it is it the emperor's new clothes situation, yeah. or is it really is there value in that experience? See, I would almost rather have my friends, my buddies over who like those movies, and we try to recreate our own stuff and just have a movie reviewing. And I would totally party, do that. You know? I would totally do that. But this experience too, it was it was weird and good. And I would absolutely do it again. Mm -hmm. But I wondered about Emperor's New Clothes situation. Are there – you maybe don't know about much of the celebrity chef world 
you know. I know the big names, probably. But are the celebrity chefs even that good? And coming back to this food hall I went to this weekend, it's Mike Isabella, this Mm -hmm. rock star in the D.C. area, and not cheap for what we got. And I'd say decidedly average and maybe even below average was my experience there. Would I be rushing back to this food hall? No. 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 Yeah, and, you know, it's Emperor's New Clothes. I mean, I'm a, I am firmly hold fast in the camp that food is like a tool, like something you need to recharge. And nine times out of ten, I'm going to go for something that fills me up and is somewhat healthy. And that's just the end of it. Like, I'll typically work out, fucking do some curls while I while <laughs> – you know, am am eating just vegetables and fruit cold, you know. So I don't know. I can't get behind all the food crazes and stuff. It is just kind of more like an art thing right now. And And then that leads me to think, are all these food crazes, celebrity chefs, fine dining experiences, they're truly the fringe. Uh, I've been reading this book this past week. Since Bourdain died, I heard that he had collected um, the reviews written by Marilyn Haggerty, who she became a viral star a couple years ago because she's an 84-year-old newspaper uh, restaurant reviewer out in North Dakota who wrote Taste a, Bud's still kicking in 84? I guess so. Oh, she's loving it. She wrote a review of the brand new Olive Garden to her hometown a couple years ago. Oh, yeah? And rave review of the Olive Garden. And, of course... Modern internet snark society picked that up and in, said, in, "Oh, kid, live this silly rube out in the middle of nowhere." Loved Olive Garden. I mean, in huh? certain circles, they refer to it as the OG. I don't know <laughs> if you knew that. Well, but interestingly enough, I thought Bourdain saw that review and then went back and read some of her other reviews, and he said, "No, this is American eating." The Olive Gardens and the neighborhood diners and the Mongolian barbecue places in your town. That's the experience uh, that we, as mostly most of us Americans have. We don't have the fine dining experience. Yeah, but, I mean, there's a fine medium. I see. Fuck (laughs) Bourdain. Right in his earring. Yeah. He... He jumped on that fucking grenade real fast to just stick it to the hipsters. I feel like he's always trying to stick it to the hipsters. There's a fine line. Most of my favorite restaurants are in the price range of like 8 to $14 a plate. Yeah. Usually farm to table, somewhat smaller portions. I think there's a great, great American dining experience out there that's not fucking Olive Garden and these shithole Mongolian beef restaurants and taco trucks and shit like that versus the the people who are making movies into plates. I and think there's see, a big middle ground and that's where I am. Yeah, but I would also say, and I've been arguing with my friends about this, that I think you're discounting large swaths of America who they're not going to get those farm to table joints. They're not going to have people in their towns who aren't going for the fine dining thing, but are going for the Eight to whatever dollar price range you were talking mm-hmm. about, smaller portions, that kind of thing. That's all they're going to get in their hometowns are local dives, uh, Olive Gardens, IHOPs, you know, fast I-hop food, IHOPs. Exactly. And that's the kind of stuff that they they love when Applebee's has a new burger on the menu right. because that's what they've got out there. And so I think Bourdain was probably on to a little something. When I was – I've been reading through these reviews and thinking, man, some of these local joints – and they're the local joints. And you know what? This reminds me of – I argue all the time with people about fucking Guy Fieri and his Diners, Drive-Ins and Dives TV show. Everybody ha- loves to hate see, Guy you know, Fieri. those are the kind of places I'm talking about. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I'm – and again. 
man, I would t- choose those places nine times out of ten over an Olive Garden. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. If I had the option. And usually if you look hard enough, you're going to find that option. But even like Olive Garden or Applebee's or whatever, you know, it, it's it's going to be okay and it's going to be what's going to get you through. I'm not going to choose it. Uh, as much as my friends might disagree, I'm not going to choose a gas station sandwich yeah. if I can avoid it. And, you know, this is a topic for another time. I have good friends who worked in restaurants like Olive Garden and Outback and, and steakhouses and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Garbage people. You do not want to eat where these people are, are working. They're just, they have not figured out how to be decent, civilized people yet. Just I was trash. an Apple buddy in high school oh, and yeah? college. So, yeah, I know what Die it's like. Die slowly. I oh. know what it's like. Oh, but, Jesus. Uh, so, yeah, food. My thoughts, my, my brief thoughts on the dining scene in yeah. this country, which yeah. we could go on at length, you know. I'm at, if, if. You know, Bourdain's going to argue that's the American uh, cuisine. Well, I'm going to argue the American dining experience now is what I do. Sit me in front of the TV, put <laughs> Netflix on, and let me gorge by myself, man. I mean, I think that probably is more the experience. I will these die days, on that so. fucking hill. And he's not saying it's all Olive Gardens of the world. Right, like, yeah. Going through these reviews, most of them are not big chains. Right. They're mostly local joints, you know, where she walks in and says, Patty from down the street uh, brings me my coffee. Uh, I know Patty. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. she's a nice lady. Yeah, he's a good kid. All right, um, Dave, for my topic. Uh-huh. Uh, I do not know how much you're going to say about it. I'm a little okay. peeved. I'm a little I'm a little angry. Okay. And I'm going to light up my second cigarette right, as we talk see. about this. Let's my topic see. is smoking, Dave. Okay. The backbone of our fucking country. The tobacco <laughs> leaf. Sure. Yes. How it got from our decent fields into my mouth. We'll skip that certain chat, those chapters, and go right to the death of the uh, the smoking in public in America. How do you feel about it as a non-smoker? That is an so fascinating a question because I bet you're going to be surprised at my answer. I you seem like a logical guy. You I never fucking, surprised me. Paul. I fucking hate coming home from uh, a night out smelling like smoke. I'm not a smoker. Mm-hmm. I've had a cigarette before. Yes. I've smoked before, but you know, afterwards, I just hate that smell. You got to wash all your clothes. Can't imagine living that life. But God, do I miss smelling cigarettes in public and in bars and in honestly even restaurants sometimes and when I walk by somebody smoking a good cigar I just linger a little bit longer I I know it is terrible for our health I get it I, I'm not going to ever back smokers I'm sorry it's not going to happen but man there's just something about the fact that uh, have you been to the Anthem the new uh, venue in uh, Washington, uh, yeah. D.C.? exactly. Have. Yes, I have. So uh, it's brand new, and some of my friends uh, were sad that it's not as grimy or grungy as some of the other venues. And I was what wondering, is it ever going to get that? What does that have to do with anything? Yeah, there's, I guess, something about the rock and roll aesthetic, you know? Ah, fuck off. It's about the music. Listen and music. thinking about it, it's super weird going to uh, a music venue these days and not be surrounded by smoke. And... I'm not saying that I am, you know, glad that uh, I chugged in all that smoke uh, watching Veruca Salt back in the day or whoever, but... Yeah, I feel like, oh, man, it's never going to get that late. Got to watch out for those saltines, those saltine fans, man. They're big big smokers, I think, right? They are big fans. Yeah, I've conceded that I've lost smoking inside in most places. You know, some some watering holes in the south. 
Yeah. Still keep it alive with the dual ventilation, and I enjoy that. I'm a big fan. You know, I get that it's bad for you. I throw this statistic out. You know, I read that if you live in Beijing, it is equivalent to smoking 21 cigarettes a day. So just these these <laughs> these Asian people in Beijing, you know, that's more than I smoke. Are you just going to scold them the way you scold American smokers? Well, I mean, if we were to start making laws in Beijing, that would be a very different world we were living in. But, That's true, uh, but I'm just saying comparatively. Okay. You okay. know, if it's a health thing, yeah. if, if everybody should quit smoking, everybody should move out of Beijing too. That logic adds up. <laughs> right? Doesn't it? Just abandon that city. It's Let's gone. Do it. Yeah. Okay. Just how many millions? Are, okay. Yeah, millions. Right. Um, <coughs> but it's more so the smoking outside. I have a buddy who lives in a small college town, very liberal, and uh, I visited him one time and and he's transferred now to being one of those douchebag vaporizer people. Oh, that, I'm not even sure I'm using the right the vape. The, the, uh, vape, yeah, vaporizer. Yeah. I'm an I'm an old man, I guess. Vaping, vaping. So he's a vapor now. Yeah. And uh, we were like, uh, me and my <laughs> so bon- he's a douchebag. Yeah, yeah. so he's yeah. a douchebag. Uh, me and my Bangladeshi buddy, and you know, in Bangladesh, they you, they like slide cigarettes up 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 uteruses so the kids can start smoking while in utero. Oh. It's it's no big deal over there. And we walked outside, being expecting to smoke, and you could not smoke on the entire apartment premises. Hmm. Like they, we had to walk like uh, a mile, mile and a half to get off, go onto a main road, and then just stand like vagrants. Like uh, we had the pox. Yeah. Yeah, it was terrible. I can't smoke in my apartment. No smoking in my building. So I'm grandfathered in on a clause. I signed a fucking piece of paper that says <laughs> I'm allowed to smoke. Nice. And they've tried to get me to sign others, and I just return it, not signed. So the one piece of paper I'm on, baby. I have a friend who was living in a place that he was also grandfathered into. The rest of the building was smoke-free. And his landlord made him get some kind of crazy air purifier machine uh-huh. for his apartment that was crazy loud and yeah. noisy and smelly. And uh, yeah, it's bullshit. You're in your own apartment. All right. So here's the know. thing. Now, neither one of us, as far as, as I know, I could speak for myself. Paul, are you a medical medical doctor? Uh, no. Okay. So these mostly points, training, mostly training. Okay. So. Uh, so, so our opinions don't matter much here, but I still want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. If you live in an apartment next to me, mm-hmm. and I smoke maybe five cigarettes inside a day, mm-hmm. I understand the smell may get to you, but does do the, the, the harmful carcinogen agents get to you and affect your health? I feel like no. I feel like okay. parts per million of the air I'm breathing in is not going to be... But I have no idea what the research is on how many parts per million. You didn't uh, cover that in your training? No. Okay. Yeah, it was one of those things we skipped in my gotcha. Philip Morris School of Medicine <laughs> class that I took. I'm going to guess they were uh, pro-no-carcinogens across the apartments. I imagine so. You are not So let's say I agree with you. So let's say that's not the case. Yeah. Most complaints I've ever had have to do with smell. Yeah. So... Where do you draw that line? If I don't like a particular meal you're cooking, am I allowed to complain about the smell? If you're a dirty, disgusting trash person, a hippie or something, and you just waft over incense nonstop, am I allowed to complain about the smell? Are we allowed to make complaints about quality of life in communal living situations like this? Is that something we can complain to the landlord or to – are there any legal – 
blankets for us if we uh, I'm curious about that yeah me I feel too. like no like I feel like you just gotta suck it up I used to live above somebody who would cook the most foul smelling some kind of fish stuff mm-hmm. that just was horrific oh fish sauce something there was that is a tough something. aroma to get get over and it was that you would hear them start cooking and have to go retreat for a while because yeah anyway so, last thought on this topic, yeah. um, and this may make me seem like a weird person, which I have no problem admitting. I want to know if there's any logic behind this. Now, I will continually say over this podcast, you know, part of every day I'm different is some days I feel normal, some days I feel like the craziest person alive. I do not hold currently in my state of mind much value or stock in in life in general. You know, <laughs> we are overpopulated. I'm not bringing much to the table, to be honest. I could be, you know, I'm expendable, to say the least, in the whole spectrum of things. You've been watching too much of Trump's propaganda video. <laughs> Is he telling people like me to just go kill myself? Uh, the video basically starts with, very few people will ever leave a mark on this planet. Oh, well, yeah, it's, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm one of them. That's all right, all right. I am <laughs> one of those, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, is there any sense in logic? You know, I, uh, my grandfather, who I mentioned at the start, is my fact he was POW, was World War II. Yeah. And I do romanticize that area big time. I did not know my grandfather very well. He did die of lung cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I feel like there is some sort of connection that I have with him that me and him are the only two smokers in my family. I feel like whenever I'm smoking, a lot of times, especially nowadays, you find yourself alone. There aren't a lot of smokers like there used to be in the early 2000s and 90s. Mm-hmm. You go outside, you're kind of by yourself. I find myself thinking about him, thinking of the shit he went through. Is that a justifiable reason to smoke? continue smoking obviously it didn't start like that you know you're a teenager you're a douchebag you mm-hmm. start for whatever reason so you're really honoring your grandfather that's He's, how i'm looking at it that's how i'm justifying it that's a new one to me yeah but, baby um you know you have your own reasons yeah, for doing are you gonna make you fun of me for honoring my grandfather like that of course not yeah next time somebody yells at me it's if we're smoking in public i'm gonna turn it into a hot button issue about our military and i'm gonna bring up my family that served you know, as long as you're not actively killing somebody, but you could be killing me right now. With your That's smoke. true. You know, we, we never know whether or not my areoli are going to suck in the, the carcinogens. That we are. breathe through our tits? That's right. I did not know. So our areola is actually inhale. Yeah, that's right. Okay. You heard that here on Every Day I'm Different. uh, Paul, do you have any other thoughts on these uh, topics? So many, so many, but I think it'll wait for another day. All right. Sounds good. I'm glad I got to know that about you and your eating habits. Yeah. And I'm going to smoke a cigarette here soon. All right. Enjoy. Yeah. Have a good one, listeners.